I'm Pastor Corey. Can I give, can I, can I teach you a little bit about worship? Worship is not you thinking. It's not you bringing your thoughts to God. He, he knows what you think. He's got it. He doesn't need your thoughts to be better. He doesn't even need your worship. It won't make him any more God than he already was. You need to give it. And you and I need to give it in reckless abandon where we're not thinking about it. And I remember the day when I was in junior high and there was a cute girl sitting behind me at church. And I remember the day that I decided I was going to worship and I didn't care what she thought. That girl was Pastor Aaron. It definitely was not. Where is she? Where are you sitting? I think I pointed over here and then I realized like, that's, that's my daughter. That's weird. No, that wasn't her. We didn't know each other back then. But I just realized, you know what? That is it. Worship is not evaluated by you. Worship is God evaluating you. And so as soon as I get, you know, see, the minute I walk up on stage, now I got to lead. But when I'm here, that's, a, that's my favorite spot because I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just, what do you want, God? What do you want? Just say what you want. Uh, you made it to the early service, daylight savings time. I thought I was going to get here and half y'all were going to be sleeping and like, oh, bad attitudes. And... Does anybody have a bad attitude this morning? Yeah, there's a few. It's good. Just be honest. It's okay. It's okay. This is family, right? So if, if you're not, um, if you're new to church family, you don't really understand that maybe, or maybe the church you grew up in, if you grew up in church, most people who came here didn't grow up in church, but um, I would say like a lot of people, maybe not most, but um it's like family, so you can kind of let your hair down a little bit. But somebody sometimes is going to be like, get a haircut. So um, it's just family. You just got to relax. Nobody's going to throw you out. And the only way uh, for that to happen is for you to leave. So relax. Relax. God has got this. All right. Uh, do you like the new chairs that you're sitting in? Thank you for your generosity. This is awesome. Um, I can't figure out if, if you're going to be comfortable so I can preach longer. Or if you're going to be sleepy and I got to preach shorter. So I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do the same thing. Longer? Who's the, oh, my favorite people right there. Everybody look at Chris right here. Be like Chris. Be more like Chris. Flatter me. Do whatever you have to. All right. Uh, who is close to you but far from God? You need to invite them to our Easter service. Uh, we might have like a petting zoo for kids or something like that. Just get them in the building. The service is going to be, we are going to make people feel something about Jesus. It is probably the most powerful thing that, that I think we've ever done. So I'm telling you that. But don't tell somebody that because they don't want to come to church, generally speaking, on Easter and like, you know, spend most of it crying. Right? So don't tell them that. It's going to be like, happy. There's going to be food. Right? Trick them. Lie to them. Get them to church. Ask for forgiveness later. And watch what God does but somebody near you is far from God and uh, that's not a world that we want to live in so let's let's get him to church on Easter okay uh, thank you Sean this series is on the run about King Saul being a crazy maniac and chasing uh, David around the countryside and from cave to cave and uh, this is a series about how God delays your promotions with idiots so that he can uh, raise your your character and your integrity level up has anybody had a fresh experience with idiots this week I see that hand. I see that hand. Um, good. Because God is at work and um, 
Look, if, <laughs> if all it takes is an idiot to get you off track, then maybe your character is not as, uh, as deep as you thought that it was, by the way. Um, because nothing happening outside of you should be happening inside of you as a son or daughter of God. It's a level of maturity that we got to get to. So I don't mean nothing happening outside of you, but it shouldn't be able to change your mission and your purpose, and it should only make you stronger, And so, um, which is why we need the family of God too. So uh, King Saul today decides to, I'm just going to kind of give you the end of it right now, just so you can get emotionally ready. If we got, do we got any heart, heart people in the house? You watch TV shows and you cry? I come into the room and Pastor Aaron's watching, and she's crying, and then she's like, wants me to share this moment? And I'm like, I, no, or she wants me to get out. I would much rather get out because I'm like, I, uh, I'm sure that that actor's mom who died meant a lot to, I thought that was funny. Like, I'm just, it's just a television show. Anyways. Um, okay. So Saul decides today to kill an entire village of priests. You're like, well, you know, on your worst day at work, your boss has never done that, right? <laughs> Creative division, I need to see you over here. Please come unattended and unprotected into the back hallway. Uh, it's something that is so crazy and so shockingly insane that you're like, yeah, I would never do that. Well, just give me a minute here. Now, um, now today's sermon is called Priest, uh, priest Killer. Now, God sends you priests in your life. And by priests, I mean somebody who's uh, spiritually in tune with God. Um, it, it's not just like a pastor. It can be like a small group leader. It can be a friend who's just godly and good. Probably a little irritating because the friends that you don't need are people that agree with you all the time and are like, oh, you poor thing. You're right. You should be angry at everybody. Um, I mean, somebody who speaks the truth of God, whether you want to hear it or not, because it's the truth that sets you free. Somebody who is anointed by God to help kill some of your giants, you know, see, uh, God sends Saul David to kill the giants without what a priest does is a priest helps you kill the giant so that you don't have a giant within that fights against God because something inside of King Saul is fighting against God. He is at odds with God. It says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you're a proud person inside, you need a priest to help you. Now a priest helps you cross the rivers of your own character and your own integrity. So, um, do we got anybody into, into hiking? You're into outdoors and stuff like that? I know you are. Yeah, because we went with you. This Okay, so one time we went hiking. I don't get hiking, by the way. Um, like I drove here in a car and I'm walking away from my car. You know, a hike to me is, uh, a hike is good. You know, it's like Bargazzi says, like, as long as I can see my car, that's a hike I'll do, you know. Um, so, I mean, like, let's hike into the woods. Like, we have buildings and stuff, but we're going to go out here where there's, like, tree roots and bugs and dirt and wind. The weather might change, you know. And so we were hiking one time with some, uh, some venue people, and we were hiking, and there was a little river that we had to, to cross. And so uh, Amy Fair, we had to walk across a log, right? You remember this? Yeah, you were there. We were walking across a log, and... Um, and they decided to send me last because I was like the liability. Is Amy in here or is she in the prayer room? She, out, she out, like outside in the weather? Oh, she's coffee. Okay. So um, she'll hear me in the next service. So she was helping people cross the river. And I came across at the end of it. And, you know, I mean, everybody else had made the log wet. Or else there wouldn't, wouldn't have been a problem or nothing. 
or, you know, it's hard to, so what happened was I, I stepped on this log and she's helping me across and I slipped and, uh, I didn't just go in the water, because uh, life is about sharing your experiences with other people. So I went in and, uh, she came in and then it was this horrible moment where she's like, you're my pastor. Why, why would you, you know what I realized in that moment, in that moment, God sent me a priest across a river and I baptized her in, in that river. It's good for a soul, you know. In that moment, I'm not thinking. I slip, you got one millisecond and you react. You respond to uh, something I'm going to talk about today called your survival instinct. And I was trying to stay out. And if I... I mean, like, normally I'm a good person. <laughs> normally, if I had time to, like, process it and be, you know, read a Bible verse, I would have been like, don't pull Amy into the river. Like, there's no place where this is going to make a lot of sense, right? But in the moment, I just like, boom, boom, she in the river, I'm in the river. I, I grabbed her and pulled her in because something inside of me just wanted to live and not die, you know? <laughs> Layton can find another wife. I mean, you know, I mean... There's, yeah, that's, that was a good response. I, I deserve that. The, nobody else would live with him, but. I realized it's like that. It's an instinct. I, I was working in a hospital one time. I was an electrician and I was leaning my ladder against the wall because that's super safe. And uh, hospitals, they like wax their floors, you know. I'm leaning over. I don't know if I was have fishing cable or doing something. Leaning over too far and my ladder goes. And I always thought that I would land on the ground like, uh, have you watched Black Widow? From, you know, like, like, <laughs> you know, looks so, so cool. I thought I would land like a cat lands, you know. The only reason that cats land like that is because they're filled with demonic power. Because I landed on the ladder and, and that ceiling landed on me on the ladder. And I realized in that moment, you're not thinking about anything. It's like survive, survive. I grabbed anything I could get, survive. You're not, you don't have time to process anything, right? You don't have time to act like Jesus. Like what would Jesus do? It's not even, we're not there, you know? Um, what the enemy tries to get you to do is pull your Amy into the water so that she can't help you across that river. Because the priest speaks the voice of God to your life. Where you're like, God speaks to me too. Anybody who's like, it's just me and Jesus, has not actually listened to what Jesus said about that. By the way, your theology is way wrong. Why is there the body of Christ? Why are there apostles and prophets and teachers? And Because you think it's just you and Jesus. Well, why don't we ask Jesus about what he thinks about who it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. You know what I'm saying? Like, And so... Um, God sends you a priest to align you, to remind you of God's words, to make your words smaller and everybody else's words smaller and God's words brighter in your life. And the enemy would love, for, you see, he's trying to kill your priest too, but he'd rather you did it. Now catch us, catch us. He'd rather you did it. Because if you did it, then you've got to invent another God that doesn't actually exist. Who was cool with that. It's what we call a Franken-Jesus. It looks a lot like you and a little like Jesus. And a lot like your crazy grandmother. You know what I'm saying? 
of Frank and Jesus. The trouble is Frank and Jesus has no power to save you because it's not actually Jesus. When God sends you priests and then you leave church, a perfectly good church that's full of flawed people like you, and you leave because of something dumb. I don't like the color of the chairs that they bought. I'm going to go over to this church that has a different color of chairs. That's why, that's why I ask you, like, hey, where, how do you hear about us? You know, because if you say, I came from the church down the street, what's the next thing that I told you when you came in? Oh, I love them. I love Pastor so and so. Oh, yeah, I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. Why? Because if you come in talking trash about him, I'm way easier to hate. He's way nicer than I am. He's a way better pastor than I am. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, a, it's a, the voice of the priest. Um, you're like, well, pastor, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you would. And you do when you get in survival mode. Nobody would on a good day. We're not talking about a good day. We're talking about a bad day. People in survival mode survive at any cost to others. At any cost. To, when I see a mom raising kids in survival mode, you will survive at the cost of your own kids. I've watched it happen. Um, there's a story in a, in a book by Frank Herbert that says once um, a boy is, is telling what something that he saw. It's a fiction book. It's about outer space. Once I saw the body of a drowned fisherman recovered. The interesting thing about this man was the wounds on his shoulders made by another fisherman's claw boots. The fisherman was one of several in a boat that foundered. Another fisherman helping recover the body said he'd seen marks like this man's wounds several times. They meant another drowning fisherman had tried to stand on this poor fellow's shoulders in an attempt to reach air. If you're in survival mode emotionally, you'll do that. You just need one more breath of air. That's all you're thinking about. You're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about the other person. You're thinking about you. See, God sends you a priest because you weren't meant to survive. You were meant to thrive. You were also meant to carry a cross. Do you know that the end of a cross, Christ follower, is death? Did you know that? You're not really meant to survive. You are meant to hang on a cross and thrive. You are meant to hang on a cross and die and be resurrected in the name of Jesus so that the new life belongs to him. You were meant to thrive out there. And the priest will get you to this place where... See, because you won't naturally, you'll hang on a cross a little bit if you can see why. But when it hits all those sensitive spots and your trigger is like, oh, you will try to get off of there. You, you can stay on there and thrive. You can stay in that job position. You can stay in your relationship. You can and thrive if that's what God wants you to do. Raising teenagers is hard, but don't send them, you can't send them anywhere else. God gave them to you. You can thrive there. There's a way. Now, let's talk about personal integrity. See, David, last week we talked, David has good personal integrity. But here's the problem. This week, I'm just going to tee up the story here. This week, David is on the run. He's in survival mode. You remember, like, he had to escape from, from Michael, his wife's, because Saul sent people to kill him and drag the bed out and kill him and do all this stuff. So Saul runs, and he runs to the village of the priests. And, or David does. And then we see David. We see David's personal integrity. See, your personal integrity level right here, that's, that's been your personal integrity level for a year or two, it might have been enough for where you are right now. But if God promotes you and gives you the souls of people to influence, that's not enough anymore. It won't be enough. Because the higher you go, the higher your integrity has to rise. 
You want more, you want more responsibility? You want more people looking at you? You want your mistakes to cost more to other people. David's level of integrity is here. It's been okay. And all of a sudden he gets in survival mode. He goes to the village of the priest and he lies to the priest a bunch of times. The priest that probably could have helped him with, but he wasn't honest with the priest. It ends up costing the priest. You'll, you'll see what happens. And David's, as the pressure, if the pressure on your life went up 10 times, do you think that your personal integrity level and character level would be enough right now? You don't know till the pressure ramps up. God is trying to get you there before the pressure ramps up, but it feels harsh because pastor yells at you and you're like, but I'm not here yet. Why is he being so mean? You will be this week. You will be next year. You want to wait till then? That is good preaching. Thank you, Layden. You you can keep Amy. (laughs) He's like, is that how that works? No, it's not how it works. Now here's, uh, let me get to the main job of the priest. All right, you, you ready? This, this is the fun part of the sermon that I want to preach. So you and I have, um, have a big red button. Not everybody has one, but you do. It's a big red uh, button. Saul's got one. Some people who have big red buttons don't know that they have big red buttons. And they uh, surprised uh, their marriage partner with it. And um, it's a big red button. You know, when you get comfortable enough with somebody, you know, when you first start... A friendship or you first start going to a small group you're like okay must impress these people you know like must not let them know what really happened you know last summer whatever you know we were trying to create a place you can take the mask off and uh, so what happens is you you get married or you have a friendship and then after a little while you start getting comfortable with them and then you're like hey i i, I want to show you something and it's like the guy selling fake fake rolexes right and you're like hey They're like, what's that? It's a, it's a, big, red, uh, it's a big red button. I, um, I built it in childhood to survive something. I'm not even really sure what it's called. I know it's wired to my heart. Um, so it's not going anywhere. I'd, I'd like uh, only one of us in this relationship to have one, and, and, and it's me. <laughs> and so um, if I feel like under threat or... Or uh, if you bring up this topic, or if uh, you get too close, um, or if I don't get what I want in an argument, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it. And the other person's like, well, what does it do? Well, it's like a self-destruct button, but it's more like an everybody dies button. So like, you don't, wanna, you don't want me to push this to you. So careful. Some of y'all, you don't take this out until uh, you get home. You're like, out there, like, out there I'm going to act normally so everybody thinks that I'm normal. But when we get home, things are going to get crazy. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen? I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't even know when I press this button sometimes. You can go to Disneyland and that person brings the button with them. And you're like, we're literally right here and somebody didn't get you your drink in time. And why'd you bring the button to Disney? Well, it comes everywhere with me. It's a part of us now. It's a part of your life now. See, somebody took something from you. Somebody took something from me. That's why I built this button. It's called control. Somebody took something from me. 
So this is going to be my way of taking something from you. So that I can feel good. For a minute. Until the you know, raging regret and guilt. But it's okay because I have a Franken-Jesus that makes this button okay. That's like, hey. See, you came to Jesus, but what you didn't really know was that he wants the button. He doesn't think you should have one. And then he sends a priest to get the button. And some of you spend all your lifetimes wrestling with God over the button. It takes all your energy. You can't actually deal with issues anymore because all you're doing is like, here we go, here we go. You know what God does? You know what God does? And this is what alarms us about God. This is what, when you start coming to faith, this is what alarms you. Because if you grew up in a home with everybody had a red button and it's like an arms escalation race and it's like, don't do it, don't do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take you all with it. I'm going to burn this place down. It's like King Saul. If, if I can't have this kingdom, nobody gets it. Saul spins too much of his life chasing David. I read in my devotions this morning, David actually goes after the Philistines and kills them. And Saul comes after David instead of fighting the Philistines. It's crazy. What did I say just before that? Yeah. What's alarming about God is that God bless you, Renee, for remembering stuff. I mean, it's your job too, right? But <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. I'm kidding about that. It's alarming when you come to God because God will put you in a situation that pushes that, that gets you there. He won't push the button for you, but he'll get you there. Why? Because you can't have that button and follow him. And then you do what you do with everybody else. And it might work with everybody else because everybody else needs something from you. But he doesn't. You know what he does? He's like, God, give me that job. Give me that job I want. God, give me that spouse I want. God, my kid's filled with Satan. Fix him. Or stuff's going to get crazy. You know what God says? So push it. So push the button. Not going to make me less God. Nobody puts a gun to God's head and demands that he does something. That wouldn't make him good. That would make him afraid of you and he's not afraid of anything. A good dad doesn't care if you push that button. You say, push the button. I'm still going to take that button away from you. You don't get that button anymore. You need to learn how to trust in the Lord your God. You learn to trust so that every, all the devil's got to do is figure out your trigger and he's, he's figured you out. I know you think you're super smart. I don't even think you know that you wear the button on the outside of you sometimes. You made it to church, your pants are backwards. You think you, the devil doesn't know where the big red button is. You came to church, you got pants on, I'm proud of you, it's fine. It's daylight savings time. Some of you got ice buttons. Oh, the fire buttons everybody sees. It's like when I drive uh, Neela and Keelan every morning. I rant about uh, school moms. <laughs> Driving. There should be a test that you take just to drop your kids off at school. Then I realize it's not just moms. It's everybody but me. <laughs> everybody. Everybody else is the problem. The fire buttons are easy. It's just like, whoo, 
Stuff's going to get crazy. The ice buttons are like, oh, you did the thing. I'm not even going to tell you what that thing was. You're going to have to guess. And you might even guess right, but I'm not talking. So I'm going to put my oar in the water, and you're going to have to paddle me around for the rest of my life, and I'm going to make it miserable for you. Uh Uh-huh. There's the crazy button. Some of you got this. I heard your arguments. It's the nothing I say in the next 10 minutes is going to make any sense. I'm going to contradict myself three times in one sentence, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Good luck arguing with it because the rules just changed. And then they changed again. And then I... You can't beat crazy when you're arguing against it. And I got crazy all over. Some of you got distraction buttons. You're like, oh, you want to talk about that issue? Oh, I got 47,000 other issues. I got other things that I want to talk about, and it's not that issue. And like, let's talk about this. And well, let's... And remember that thing you did? And uh, the distraction button. Somebody else got an accusation button. It's like, hey, everything that I'm going to say in this argument, it's going to be true of you. But I'm going to blame you for those things. When I hear keywords in arguments, I'm like, ooh, who are they talking to? Are they talking to me or are they talking about themselves? Because I feel like sometimes people come to me with a word of correction and I'm like, well, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like I have people that correct me and I have the precept correct me. I'm not sure it's you though. Maybe God was speaking to you. Well, pastor, I see there's obvious pride in your life. I'm like, I don't even know your name. You, this is your first time at church. That doesn't happen here. We weed that out pretty quick. The accusation button, everything that's true of you, I'm going to say the devil's suggesting it to me. And I'm going to say it first so that you don't actually think that it's me. How about the uh, somebody's getting too close button? If you've been hurt sexually when you were young, it's like, oh, you just get too close intimately. And it's like, (gasps) the self-pity button. The self-pity button is the, I like the attention and I like being sick and I have no intention of changing. I like the attention. I have no intention of changing. So somebody said that somebody in our prayer team was mean, mean. Well, that's what I tell them. I'm like, be as mean as you can to people. You know, just be like, I don't like your hair. Like, you got to fix that. Uh, the Lord is saying that you should fix your hair. I don't like it. Your jacket has too many buttons. I do tell them, like, hey, if you sense self-pity, sniff it out. Give them something productive to do with their lives. Like, help somebody who's doing worse than they are. Because God can't help you if you're a victim. Saul's got the worst case of self-pity you've ever seen. Even God himself can't help him. So a prayer team is not going to help you hear from God because you don't want to hear from God. You like it. You like the attention. You have no intention of changing. Uh, How about the image button? Like, hey, don't fight in public. Well, you started it in public. What will people think? Well, what, what will God think if we don't fix it? Now, this is not a fun job description for a pastor. Like, hey, can I have that red button? This button? Well, that button, yeah, well. (laughs) The priest's job is, uh, see, your screws get loose. And the priest's job in your life is to tighten the screws. Hey, no, 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 that's not what God said. This is what God said. Why are you so worried about this? Didn't God promise you? 
You did what in an argument? Oh, that's crazy. My mom was one of those people in my life. She told me one time, hey, that person you put in that place is uh, not treating people the way that you do. They're not representing your heart. You better uh, do something about it before I do. She didn't say it before I do, but she was thinking it. And I'm like, (laughs) so because I'm filled with mercy, I dealt with it. She, you know what, you know what she was saying to me, really? You can't care what they think about you. You got to lead them. I'm like, yeah, okay. I heard, I heard it. David is on the run. He's at the cave of Adullam. First Samuel 22, one day the prophet Gad told David, the prophet? Yeah, yeah. prophets and priests. What do you think David just made up? You think David stayed alive when Saul was chasing him because he was smart? The prophet told him, hey, uh, you need to leave the stronghold and return to the land of Judah. And he's like, are you sure? So David went to the forest of Heth. The news of his arrival in Judah soon reached Saul. At that time, the king, Saul, was sitting beneath the tamarisk tree on the hill of Gibeah, holding his spear and surrounded by his officers. Holding his, like, red button. Remember, last, last week he was in his living room holding his spear. Like, that seems weird. And now he's around his own officers, his bodyguard, who's, who are literally paid to keep him from dying. And he's still holding the spear, you know? Um, Listen here, you men of Benjamin, Saul shouted to his officers when he heard the news. He's like literally yelling at his best people. Like, listen, you guys. Like, watch your body language. It'll show you where your red button is. Like, Has that son of Jesse promised every one of you fields and vineyards? Whose fields and vineyards? You know what I'm saying? Has he promised to make you all generals and captains in his army? All of you? You know what I'm saying? Already, this is like they're like every... We can't all be generals. Like, that doesn't... Is that why you you have conspired against me? They're like, whoa. For not one of you told me my own son made a solemn pact with the son of Jesse. You're not even sorry for me. This means you don't even feel sorry for me. Like, you want to lead a bunch of, like, tough men? And you're like, nobody's treating me right. I'm going to sit in the garden and eat worms. Nobody's treating me right. (laughs) that'll get respect (laughs) think of it my own son encouraging him to kill me as he is trying to do this day what Jonathan they're all thinking Jonathan if he wanted to kill you he could just walk in and stab you why would he need David to do that then Doeg the Edomite, who was standing there with Saul's men, spoke up. When I was at Nob, it was the village of the priests, I saw the son of Jesse talking to the priest, Ahimelech, son of Ahitab. He consulted the Lord for him. Then he gave him food and the sword of, uh, of Goliath the Philistine. King Saul immediately sent for Ahimelech and all his family who served as priests at Nob. When they arrived, Saul shouted at him, Listen to me, you son of Ahitab. Shouted at the priests. Now, now the priest responded very, very graciously, like I had to in COVID. Uh, what is it, my king? Ahimelech asked. I was on government calls with healthcare and government, with the religious leaders, while they lectured us about morality. I'm like, oh, I thought that that was our thing. And I thought that government's lecturing about morality is a bit of a, that's interesting. We've seen a lot of you come and go. Haven't found a moral government yet. 
like six feet away, guys, or, or uh, if you get closer than that, it's, it's hate. If that mask slips, it's hate. I'm like, wait, so six feet is love, and five foot 11 <laughs> is hate. That's weird. Saul gets them and yells, yells at the priests. And if I was this priest, I'd be like, who speaks for God here? Who gave you that throne? You come and yell at me? My God put you on that throne. Who do you think you are? I'm supposed to be talking to you. You're supposed to be coming to me, asking me questions, not yelling stuff at me. He's like, I pray for you every day. And you come at me like that. Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? Saul demanded, why did you give him food and a sword? Why have you consulted God for him? David lied to him. The priest has no idea what's going on. Why have you encouraged, why have you encouraged him to kill me as he's trying to do this day? That's how crazy it gets. But sir, he replies, is anyone among you, all your servants as faithful as, as David? He's like, are we talking about the same David? Like, um, this is the priest's word to you. You've made an enemy of a friend. You've made an enemy of the priest. Is anybody among you made an enemy of the person sent to kill your giant? Is anybody among you as faithful as David, your son-in-law? It's like, hey, 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 remember, remember, remember. Stop with this. Why, he's the captain of your bodyguard. His literal job is to save your life and a highly membered of your own household. This was certainly not the first time I had consulted God for him. Uh, maybe you should come around a little more. May the king not accuse me and my family, for I knew nothing of any plot against you. Watch this. Saul screams at him, You will surely die, Ahimelech, along with your entire family. When you hit that button, it doesn't even matter what the other person says. It doesn't even affect you, because you've already made up your mind. He just told him, I don't know what's going on. What are you talking about? David, this David, your best guy. It doesn't even matter what you say to that person in an argument. If you got that button, you're not listening anymore. It's the other person, when they talk, it should change what you're going to say next. If it doesn't, you got a button. He ordered his bodyguards, kill these priests of the Lord for their allies and conspirators with David. These priests of the Lord for their allies with David. They're not priests of the devil, everybody. They knew he was running away from me. The priest whose job is honesty just told him, I didn't know that. But they didn't tell me. But Saul's men refused to kill the priest. Then the king said to this guy, Doeg, you do it. So he did. Killed 85 priests and all, still wearing their priestly garments. Watch this. Then he went to Nob, the town of the priests, and killed the priest's families. Men and women, children, babies, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats. And the, the priest's only crime was that he tried to remove Saul's big red button. Only Abiathar, one of the sons of Ahimelech, because God still has a plan in all of this. Come on up, worship. Only one son of Ahimelech escaped and fled to David. When he told David Saul had killed the priests of the Lord, David exclaimed, I knew it when I saw Doeg the Edomite there that day. I knew he was sure to tell Saul. Now I've caused the death of your father's family. Watch this, watch this. This is how God would redeem your life. You ready? Stay here with me, Abiathar. 
and don't be afraid. I will protect you. This is what he says. You're my priest now. If I'm going to make it through this next part, I will protect you. I will feed you. I will protect you with my own life. Like if somebody comes at you, I'll die first. For the same person wants to kill us both. Abiathar escaped with an ephod, which is something that, it's like a tool that they used to seek the Lord with. I was reading in my devotions, David says to the priest, hey, can you inquire of the Lord for me? He's like, I, I want to know if I need to go to this town and do this thing. Can you ask the Lord for me? And he does, and God gives him a victory. And then Saul comes after him and he says, um, Abiathar, remember the food that I feed you? We live, we're like brothers. I, I, but I'm coming to you, I need to know what to do next. Uh, is Saul going to come here? Yeah, yeah, he's, he is, David. Is, uh, will the people that I just saved deliver me into his hands? Yes, he will. Yes, they will. When David is on the throne, the priests still speak to David. The priests still keep his heart aligned. Who's a, who's a, you need more than one priest, by the way, but you're not your own. You'll never be your own priest. My, my, so, so my priests, I've already told you about my mom. There's some people here that are like that for me. My pastors, Peter and Carolyn. I asked God to speak to me and God sent me pastors and that's what I needed in Minneapolis. And when I get an invite from them, like, hey, why don't you come and hang out with us for a few days? I always go. I don't even pray about it. Why? Because I asked God to speak and he sent me the priest. I don't pray about what I obey. I need to evaluate that. That's what I asked for. When I go, though, I don't go and talk and I don't teach. I ask, hey, um, even Pastor Nate does this for me. This is what I said to, to him one time. I'm like, you'd tell me if something was wrong with me, wouldn't you? Like, you wouldn't dishonor me by keeping quiet. You'd tell me, am I hard to lead? Do you have to tiptoe around me? Like, tell me. Please don't dishonor me and keep silent. I might hate you for a minute, but I'll love you for doing it. Who in your life? Maybe you just started coming to church and you don't go to a small group yet. Well, there, there'll be somebody in there that'll be that to you. Maybe you don't serve in the dream team yet. You can't help somebody else with God's voice in their life yet because you're just living in this level of integrity. But God wants you in the actual battle where you can make a difference. And you need a higher level of integrity. Well, what is God asking from you this week? To everybody else, I would say. Everybody. If you need to go get prayed for, go get prayed for and ask. Because uh, you, you don't even know what the button is sometimes. You don't even know what it is. You don't even know where it came from. Why don't you go and ask the Lord in the prayer team? Go inquire of the priest. Lord, uh, I probably got one of these. My spouse definitely thinks I do. My kids know that I got it. Lord, can you reveal it so that you can heal it? Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. We uh, commit to going all the way and finishing this race and giving up that button today in Jesus' name. And every time we take it back, we ask you, Lord, would you be faithful to send a priest our way to recover that button? In Jesus' name, amen.